New sponsor alert. Support for today's episode comes from True Classic. This brand new sponsor is the absolute best fitting t-shirts a man can buy. Finding the right t-shirt or a little bit of dad bod is incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are either way too tight on your gut or look way too big and boxy. You're not in high school anymore and it's time to upgrade. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men finally get a better fit for an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they can offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off using code DOINK at trueclassic.com. Not only are you finally getting a t-shirt designed for your male body, but the first thing you'll notice is how big and soft it is. Get ready to make a thrift shop run because you won't be able to go back to cheap materials once you try these. It's about time you learn how to dress yourself properly. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with code DOINK. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. 100% risk-free guarantee with a 30-day return policy. Stay classy with True Classic. Your dad bod will thank you. The last sponsor of the day is BetterHelp. Hey everyone, you know Brendan and Eric take football very seriously, but there's something we should be taking even more seriously, and that is your mental health. Some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that could be not be further from the truth. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not crisis line, it's not self-help, it's professional therapy done securely online. One of the biggest advantages of BetterHelp is how quickly you can start talking to a licensed professional. If you have looked for a therapist in the area, you can you know it's, it can even take weeks or even months just to find someone that you're comfortable talking to. With BetterHelp, it can take as little as 48 hours and it is easy to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash podcast. And we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. And we're back with another episode of Weekend Wagers. I am your host, Mr. Eric Warner. Give me a follow on Twitter at WarnerBro24. Give the podcast a like and subscribe if you do not mind. That would help me and Brendan out quite a bit. Weekend Wagers made its return last week. We went 3-3. Three and A three. little bit of bad luck with the Eagles there. Thought they should have covered that game. I thought that one was in the bag. But moving on. Elsewhere, looking at the recap from last week, way off on the Saints and Alvin Kamara. I did That was a bad prop. Don't understand how he was not using the passing game whatsoever. Saints in general also just started real slow in that game. That was a missed pick. But either way, we're 3-3. Three and three. We're not below 500. We're going to move on to week two. Releasing this episode a little bit earlier this week, I am jetting off to Italia for the next 10 days. I will not be on the podcast next week. Mr. Brendan Deeg will handle that and bring you guys content content as he always does. He is going to slide into the weekend wagers chair next week. Haven't decided if he's going to do spreads or touchdowns. or so. I'm leaving that up to him, but there will be a weekend wagers next week. It just will not be yours truly. I also wanted to release this one a little bit early because I have a play on Thursday night football this week. So I wanted to get that on the card and let's get right back into that Thursday night game. That would be the Los Angeles Chargers four and a half point dogs going into Arrowhead, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs high total in this one at 54 and a half. Keenan Allen is out on the Los Angeles Chargers side of things. I think that it's an even loss, though, when you take into account Kansas City's secondary is going to be down Trent McDuffie. The first-round rookie had a great debut last week. He wasn't even targeted in 21 pass-defending snaps. 
So take out Allen from the Chargers offense. Take out McDuffie from the Chiefs secondary. I call that a wash. Chiefs offense was firing on all cylinders last week. That was against a banged up sieve of a defense in Arizona. I was really impressed by the Chargers defense last week. And with J.C. Jackson potentially being back, I think that this defense can hold their own. On offense, the Chargers O-line should be able to hold up. I really like that unit. And they should be able to give Herbert enough time to consistently move the chains. Add in the fact I'm getting four and a half points in a division matchup. I think that this spread is off. I think it should be three or less. We're getting through the key number of three there. Give me Justin Herbert and four and a half points to start the day. Throw in the fact Kansas City kicker Harrison Butker is out. I know they have Justin Reed for the kickoffs. That's not that big of a deal in that aspect. But say say somebody misses an extra point for the Chiefs. You get an extra point on the point spread there. I don't think Harrison Butker being out is a big deal. But I don't think it's a no deal. So I, I like that factor as well. Chargers and Chiefs seem to play tight games that always come down to the wire. If you recall last year, both their games went right down to the end. Give me the, char- give me the Chargers plus four and a half in a division matchup. Moving on to Sunday, the Washington Commanders, one and a half point dogs going into Detroit, taking on the Lions. Total is 48 and a half in this one. I'll have to admit it. Overall, Carson Wentz looked better than I anticipated last week. He made a couple boneheaded throws like he always does. But overall, I'll have to, I have to tip my cap. He played pretty well. That was against a shitty Jags defense. And this week, he's getting a shitty Lions defense. So as long as Chase Young is out, I'm going to be low on Washington's defense. And the Lions offense last week looked capable So that tells me I like both offenses in this game to put up points. Give me the over. I'm on over 48.5 in this ballgame. Like I said, I think both offenses have plus matchups, and I'm fading both these teams' defenses all year long. Terry McLaurin, DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown, Antonio Gibson, TJ Hawkinson, Logan Thomas. You got playmakers in this game on the offensive side of the ball. Not a lot of playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Give me the over 48 and a half. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers going into New York, taking on the football Giants. Giants are one and a half point favorites. Total is 43 and a half in this one. Giants are a team I'm going to be betting on this year. I'm backing them. I've planted my flag with this franchise, but I way prefer them as a dog compared to a favorite. Giants are a young team who just won a game as big dogs. How focused are they going to be this week? I don't like the angle from their perspective. Saquon looked terrific, but the Giants are likely down. their two edge rushers, their young guns in Kayvon Thibodeau and Elise Ajulari. Again, this week, I think the way to beat Carolina would be to get pressure on Baker. And with that being said, I still don't know what to make of Baker in Carolina. Tell me how Christian McCaffrey had three touches in the first 25 minutes last week in week one. Matt Rule, you're coaching for your job currently. Maybe you'd like to give the ball to your best player, Christian McCaffrey. I expect a heavy diet for him this week. So that scares me from the Giants. But then again, I think Saquon could match Christian McCaffrey. I think this would be a good game close. I think the spread's where it should be. I am fading out. 
I am staying away from this one. Throw in the fact this is the first time the New York Giants have been over 500 in six years. How is this team going to handle that? Again, there's a lot of reasons to stay away from that game in my perspective. Colts are four-and-a-half-point favorites going into Jacksonville, taking on the Jags. Total is 46-and-a-half. Colts only put up 20 points last week versus the Titans, but that's slightly misleading. They put up over 500 yards of offense, so they were moving the ball between the 20s, no problem whatsoever. They just struggled in the red zone, specifically struggled on Houston's side of the sideline. Jonathan Taylor has another nice matchup in this one. He was fed the ball 31 times last week. Turned out over six yards of carry. I could picture that again against a weak Jacksonville run defense. The Jags offense shot itself in the foot a bunch of times last week. I still don't know what to make of the unit. Trevor Lawrence is starting to become a guy I'm really keeping a close eye on. I just can't get a read on him. The talent is there. You see the arm talent. You see the ball he throws. It's beautiful. But sometimes he just struggles with his decision-making Last week, a couple key drops really hurt him. So I'm, I'm, I just don't know what to make of Jacksonville so far. Throwing the fact on Indy's side of the de- defensive side of the ball, Shaq Leonard's still a question mark. If he plays, I would tend to lean Indy. If he's out, I would lean Jags in the points. Colts are trying to avenge an embarrassing Week 18 loss that kept them out of the playoffs last year. They have that factor for them. But again, until Indianapolis is... Deemed to have Shaq Leonard back. I'm going to stay away from this team. Miami Dolphins are three and a half point underdogs. They're going into Baltimore. Taking on the Ravens. Total is 44 and a half in this one. Talk of this offseason was what are the Dolphins offense going to look like with Tyreek Hill? My takeaway after week one was who cares? Did you see what the defense looked like? Miami's defense was dominant in week one. Absolutely dominating the Mac Jones and the Pats. Let's see if they can do it again versus a different style of offense in Baltimore. Lamar was not running the ball last week. He didn't have to. The Jets defense and Joe Flacco, they, there was no, no reason for Lamar to put his body on the line. Mac Jones, on the other hand, he's a pocket passer. He's not running anyways. I expect Lamar to have a different game plan this week and to utilize his legs a lot more. Let's see how the if the Dolphins can contain him because if they if they can handle a running quarterback as easily as they handled a pocket quarterback in week one, we might have an elite unit on our hands. I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with Miami's defense in week one. Add in the fact on the Baltimore side of things, they're down J.K. Dobbins and Jawan James on the offensive side of the ball. Kyle Fuller has torn his ACL. He is out for the season on the defensive side of the ball. Marcus Peters missed last week. He's questionable. And on the offensive line, Ronnie Stanley's questionable. So the Ravens are a little bit banged up. I don't know if I would take them to cover three and a half just considering the injuries. And like I said, I liked, I lean Dolphins, but I'm staying away from this game. Just I want to see if that Dolphins defense is for real, for real. Moving on to the New England Patriots. Two and a half point favorites going into Pittsburgh. Total is 40 and a half. Steelers got great news that TJ Watt does not need surgery. He'll be back at some point this season, but he's still out this week. So what's this defense going to look like without TJ Watt? He is truly a special, special talent. Any defense that loses a player like that is bound to take a step back. 
I just don't know how far of a step back it's going to take. Throw in the fact Pittsburgh's taking off, take, coming off a emotional overtime win versus a division rival. Normally, I would tend to fade a team in that spot. But I think you're crazy if you put money on Matt Patricia in this offense. Like I, I just got. A, I just talked about how much I loved Miami's defensive performance in Week One. The same, the exact opposite should be said about New England's offensive performance. Matt Patricia had no creativity. It was bland, boring. Wide receivers had no separation whatsoever. So I'm. These are two teams I. Wish I could fade this week. Unfortunately, they're playing each other, so I'm staying away. Jets, five and a half point favorites going into Cleveland. Sorry, the spread has now moved to six and a half. Damn, I wish I locked this in earlier. Going to have to take the six and a half on the card. That gives this pick away. I am on the Cleveland Browns at six and a half points. If you looked at the box score last week, you would have seen Joe Flacco through for 300 yards. Ooh, maybe he didn't play that bad. Wrong. He played terrible. Those 300 yards came on 59 pass attempts. Yes, Joe Flacco in the year 2022 attempted 59 pass attempts last week. And that is why the Jets lost miserably. Throw in the fact the Ravens were down two corners last week. And Joe Flacco could not get anything going until garbage time. This Browns defense handled Christian McCaffrey last week. I don't think they're going to struggle with the Jets run game. Now, I do know Jacoby Brissett did not look great in week one. Backup Josh Dobbs was even warming up at one point last week. But I think Kevin Stefanski should have learned from that. He's going to be smart enough to keep this ball on the ground. The Browns running backs have a great matchup versus the Jets linebackers in this game as pass catchers. I don't envision Brissett airing the ball out deep very often. It's going to be run the ball with the running backs and throw the ball to the running backs. And I think they're going to grind out this offense, keep control of the clock and put up enough points to cover the spread. The Ravens offense didn't really click last week. If I'm being offense or being honest, I thought they, I would give their, the Ravens offense kind of a B minus type performance last week. And they put up 29 on this uh, Jets defense with that mediocre effort. I don't think it's going to take much to get into the twenties, maybe thirties for the Browns offense. While I don't envision Joe Flacco getting to double digits. So give me the Browns minus six and a half. A little bit rattled. I didn't lock this in earlier and get the five and a half, but I'm fine taking the six and a half. Fade Joe Flacco while you can. I st- I'm just not over the fact it's 2022. We have the opportunity to fade Joe Flacco. Don't overthink it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two and a half point favorites going into New Orleans. Total in this one would be 44 and a half. Key to beating Brady is rushing four and getting pressure. Dennis Allen knows this. And he has the personnel to do, do so. So maybe that's the reason why the Saints are 4-0 in regular season since Tom Brady came over. Bucks defense looked great last week. So I have leans to the Saints, but this Bucks defense played well enough to keep me away. If I was getting over the three three and a half type number I would strongly be considering Saints but since it's under a field goal I'm going to stay away again these teams play tight tight games 
NFC South is going to come down to these two teams. This game is of vital importance. And I just, I misread the Saints last week. Like I said earlier in the preview, why Alvin Kamara was not used as a pass catcher is beyond me. I, I did not understand the Saints offense in general in week one. And that was against a bad Falcons Falcons defense. So against a good Bucks defense, I'm not I'm not super confident in Jameis staying far away from this one. Throwing the fact Tampa's Tampa's injury report as of this recording, there's a lot of question marks. You got Tom Brady, Evans, Godwin, Julio, Donovan Smith. All of them are lit for net, listed questionable. I'm sure most of, if not all, these guys are going to play. The guys I would be worried about are Godwin and Smith. Smith hyperextended his elbow. That could actually be a key injury if he doesn't go. But all those other guys, I expect them to have questionable on them. All year. When you drafted Julio Jones in fantasy this year, you had to know it was going to have that question mark every single week. That's just the way he is at this point in his career. Although that was the best I saw Julio look in, let's be real, three seasons minimum. He had juice. I hope he continues that. One of the favorites to watch. Moving on to the uh, 4 p.m. window. This is where the spreads get large. LA Rams are at home, 10.5 point favorites taken on the Atlanta Falcons, totals 46.5. One of my favorite betting angles is taking a good team off an embarrassing loss. The Rams definitely qualify as such. It was an embarrassing loss last week, and I do consider them a good team. Although I do admit the spread is higher than I had hoped, you had the Rams losing big and Falcons putting up a real respectful fight versus the Saints. I thought this would be less than the double digits, but I'm still taking the Rams minus 10.5. Atlanta has nowhere near the D-line that the Bills do. Last week, you really saw the Bills get after Matt Stafford, cause a lot of pressure, make him uncomfortable. I don't think the Falcons have the horses up front to do the same thing. I expect a clean pocket for Matty Stafford. And I expect Sean McVay to get this offense back on track. He's had extra time to prepare for this game, 10 days. I'm, I think he's embarrassed. This That's the first time in his career he's lost in week one. I've, he's 0-1. He's not been in this situation before. I, I envision him being embarrassed and pissed off about that. Add in the fact Aaron Donald should just be living in Marcus Mariota's lap. I don't know how they're going to handle big 99 in the middle there. I think 10.5 is too short of a number. I wish it was under 10, but I, I envision blowout here. Rams need a get-right game, while the Falcons put every single thing they had into last week and still came up short. That's got to be hard to be motivated to now go and play the Super Bowl champs. We have an NFC West matchup here. The Seattle Seahawks, 8.5-point favorites going into San Francisco. Total 41 and a half. And this is another, I'm going with the same angle here. I know they're big spreads, which is unlike me, but I'm I'm taking San Fran minus eight and a half here. This is another game where a good team is coming off an embarrassing loss. And in the fact that Seattle is coming off their Super Bowl win. How hard Seattle just celebrated that Monday night win beating Russell Wilson. There's no way they're putting forth the same effort and focus for this week two game against the San Francisco 49ers. 
Geno Smith played absolutely incredible last week. Best game Geno Smith has played in the NFL, bar none, not even close. Maybe the best game he has had go all the way dating back to college. Geno Smith was amazing week one. He put up 17 points. He was shut out in the second half, and that was with his game of his career. This San Francisco defense is going to be hungry. I I do not see the Seattle Seahawks reaching double digits in this game. 49ers defense is really, really going to put the clamps. On the offensive side of the ball for San Francisco, I'm throwing last week out the window. I'm, I'll be doing the same thing for the Bears offense. Those conditions, not playable. I'm throwing the game. I, no evaluation from either of those teams' offenses in that week one torrential downpour. It's unfortunate. George Kittle left practice today. That leads me to think he's going to be doubtful. But I'm still on San Fran. I think they have the weapons. Debo Samuel and get this run game going. San Francisco minus eight and a half. I don't think the spread is high enough. Next game on the card would be the Arizona Cardinals. Four and a half point favorites going into Vegas. Taking on the Raiders. Total is 51 and a half. I unfortunately can't really give you guys a good idea of how I'm feeling about this game. There's just way, way too many question marks on Arizona's side of the ball. J.J. Watt, Trayvon Mullen were desperately missed on the defense last week. And on the offense, Justin Pugh and Rondell Moore were out. They're questionable. So Arizona just missing too many key guys. And you saw last week, they, they were basically playing with one hand behind their back last week. That wasn't a fair matchup. The Chiefs just absolutely obliterated them. Could we see the Raiders offense do the same thing? If all those guys are out, potentially, Devontae Adams will probably light up whoever he lines up against. Him and Carr look great. They're on the same page already. But you have to expect a better effort from this Cardinals offense. Kyler Murray didn't like his body language whatsoever last week. There was a lot of miscommunication It was ugly all around from the Cardinals. you got to expect them to be more competitive this week. Hence, stay away from me. Bengals, seven and a half point favorites at the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry's World is opening home opener this season without their franchise quarterback, Dak Prescott. It's going to be Cooper Rush getting the start. Definitely don't trust his arm. Don't have faith they'll move the ball through the air. Quietly not really being talked about that guard Connor McGovern was also injured in that game. He joins left tackle Tyron Smith on the sidelines. He will be out. Throw in the fact the Cowboys lost two offensive linemen in the offseason. Now they're down two starters from this season already. This is a very ravaged group. I don't see them moving the ball on the ground. I don't think you can say you can lean on Elliott or Pollard in this game with how banged up and bad this Cowboys offensive line looked after week one. So I I just have no faith whatsoever in the Cowboys Cowboys offensively but I'll give them this I thought Dallas's defense quietly had a great effort last week it was very very lopsided time of possession it was the three and out show offensively but the Dallas defense hung in there bent didn't break only gave up 19 to Tom in the box so gotta give this Cowboys defense some respect they hung in there that makes me stay away from this game I want to see Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense fully click on all cylinders before I back them. 
especially with a spread higher than a touchdown here. I think Dallas's defense can keep them in the game. I'm staying away. Houston is on to Denver. Denver, after that debacle on Monday night, is still nine and a half point favorites. Like I mentioned, a lot of large spreads past the 1 p.m. window. Total is 45 and a half in this one. Denver being nine and a half point favorites, that's just yuck to me. This is a gross, gross spread. I don't know how you can take Hackett after that blunder. I questioned Denver's coaching staff entering the season because they had no one that had called plays at the NFL level in the building, but I never would have expected that type of clock mismanagement. I mean, uh, a high schooler who plays Madden could manage the clock better than what the Denver Broncos put forth on Monday night. Houston was outgained by a ton, like I mentioned, in their week one matchup versus the Colts. So I still don't know what to make of this unit. I think their defense has potential to be a sieve. This could be a get-right spot for Russ and the Denver offense. Damian Pierce, the rookie running back from Houston, was hardly used. He was supposed to be kind of the excitement from this unit. Didn't really get to see him yet. Brandon Cooks and Davis Mills, that kind of smells like backdoor cover to me. I don't know. Like I said, this spread, when I saw 9.5, I just said, yuck, instantly. I'm staying away. Another spread that was sitting at 9.5, that would be my Chicago Bears. I should mention my 1-0 Chicago Bears going into Lambeau, taking on Rodgers and the Packers. Total is 42.5 in this one. Listen, the Bears just don't beat Aaron Rodgers. They just don't do it. He's 22-5 and in his career versus the Bears, and I believe one of those losses was a final week of the season game that did not matter whatsoever. So I'm going to count it as 22-4 and in his career versus the Chicago Bears. This is another good team off an embarrassing loss, which is an angle I've attacked twice this week. Both those spreads I already took in the Rams and 49ers games were large, so I don't want to add another 9.5-point favorite to my card. Having two, two large spreads has already given me enough anxiety. Can't do it here. And I, I, I just don't know how you can trust this Packers offense if Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust his own receivers. Covering 9.5... Points is a big ask, I think, for how this offense looked last week. Matt LaFleur has got to get the run game involved. Is he going to have the stones to tell Aaron Rodgers, hey, you're throwing the ball 20 times tonight. We're feeding the rock to A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones at least 30 times between the two of them. That is how you beat the Bears. The run defense of Chicago is abysmal. The field conditions last week, like I mentioned, that's a throwaway game. I don't trust this Bears ground defense whatsoever. The field conditions really, really aided them last week. If LaFleur commits to giving Jones and Dylan the pill 30-plus times in this game, Packers will roll easily. I just don't know if LaFleur has the stones to look at Aaron Rodgers and say, you're only throwing the ball 20 times. But he's going to have to this season. You saw, you saw Rodgers and the way he... How he trusted his wide receivers last week. That was ugly, ugly, ugly. 
Moving on to the Monday Nighter. We got a Monday Nighter doubleheader. I don't know why it's only week two. I wish this was a season-long thing. I'm a big, big fan of this. Tennessee Titans are nine-and-a-half-point dogs. They're going into Bills Mafia land, taking on those Buffalo Bills. Totals 48-and-a-half. You know the Ralph is going to be rocking for their home opener, especially the way this team looked in week one. Holy smokes. They looked every bit the part of Super Bowl favorites. Titans, on the other hand, had a tough loss, missing a four-yard field goal against the Giants. Bills on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, they did whatever they wanted versus the Rams, so you got to anticipate their offense can do whatever it wants versus this Titans defense. Titans, on the other hand, they really their offense is going to go this year based on Derrick Henry. This is not a good matchup for that, considering how good the Bills' defensive line looked in week one. I could see them bottling up Derrick Henry, leaving Ryan Tannehill forced to move the ball through the air. That's not what this team is going to want to do. I lean Bills, but like I said earlier, already too many large spreads in my card. I'm staying away from this one. Vikings are going into Philly, taking on the Eagles. That's the last game of the week. Eagles come in as one and a half point favorites. Total in this one is 51 and a half. I'm circling this as game of the week to watch. This is must view television. I unfortunately will not be able to watch it. This will be about 3 a.m. Italy time if I do my math correct. Deeg's going to be going nuts watching this one. Can't blame him. Going to be a hell of a game. I'm going to circle the matchup to watch as Justin Jefferson versus Darius Slay. I may have sprinkled a very, very light sprinkle on Justin Jefferson to win MVP. He is currently sitting at 75 to 1. The other players at 75 to 1 near Justin Jefferson are Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky. There's something not right there. Now, I know a wide receiver has never won MVP in history. He's currently on pace to have over 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Now, I know he's not going to do that. But last week against the Green Bay Packers, that that was potentially his toughest matchup of the year. And he put up over 180 and two tutties. I don't see how this guy slows down. I think you throw in a little bit of the narrative that... Cooper Cup last year winning the Triple Crown and he didn't even get a sniff of the MVP was undeserving. He should have got some more attention. So what if Justin Jefferson bests what Cooper Cup did last year? I think you could get the media on his side, get some rumblings. Let's get the Justin Jefferson MVP hype train going. I think it's worth a very, very small sprinkle because like I said, wide receiver has never won the MVP but at 75 to 1, and just how good Justin Jefferson looked in week one, I think it's worth a sprinkle. Sorry for the side tangent there. Back to this game, last game on the card. Eagles defense, uh, a little worrisome there in the second half, especially. Jonathan Gannon taking some heat in the Philly media, rightfully so. I thought that this defense really, really played down to the Lions level last week. Welcoming in a red-hot Vikings offense. Like I said, Jefferson is rolling. Dalvin Cook was looking good. This Vikings offense, this Vikings team in general, how good they looked last week. They got some juice. 
but I'm still high on this Birds team. I have them winning the division. I have them going to the Super Bowl. I think the Eagles are the real deal. So this says stay away from me. These are two heavyweights in the NFC, in my opinion. I want to evaluate both of them playing a good team so we know more going forward. That is the week two card. Let's do a quick recap of the plays. There'll be five plays this week. San Francisco minus eight and a half. Rams minus ten and a half. Browns minus six and a half. The over 48 and a half in Washington, Detroit. And my lone dog of the week, Chargers plus four and a half. Looking to build off a three and three week one. Thanks for listening, everybody, and good luck as always.